This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I believe this is the most, the single most important teaching that a born-again believer could ever get understanding of. I believe that when you get understanding of blood covenant relationship, it will transform your life. It will, because it will transform your relationship with the Lord. You will start appreciating what God has done for you, where you were without Him, how it was impossible for you ever to get out of that situation without Him. But the wonderful thing about it, just like the children of Israel, was when He brought them out of Egypt, He brought them out with the purpose and intention of bringing them into their possession. And that's what we need to understand. God brought us out from under the authority of the kingdom of darkness with the intention of bringing us into the fullness of kingdom experience. And that's what we need to understand. The word kingdom mustn't terrify you. There are only two kingdoms in this world, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. Those are the only two kingdoms, and you are in one of them. So we need to understand, don't be frightened of the word kingdom. A lot of people talk about kingdom preaching, kingdom teaching. My Lord, if you ain't teaching the kingdom, you're in trouble. Because Jesus said the kingdom is within you. (laughs) Ah, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now when we talk about blood covenant, uh, there are nine steps. And there's something wrong with the sound here. Can you just uh, adjust it for me, please? Are you sound all right out there? So the, the problem's up here on the platform then. Just take it down just a wee bit, Kathy, please, would you? She's such a blessing. Amen. Thank you. All right. There are nine steps to cutting a blood covenant. We've dealt with three of them. Uh, briefly, the coat that a person wore. The first step in covenant cutting is an exchange of outer garments. In the society in which uh, th- this, was, this was written, the person's coat represented themselves. You could see just by looking at the way people dressed, you could see what strata of society they came from. You could see what their position was. Their coats represented themselves. The coat was them. And the first step in blood covenant cutting is an exchange of coats. Symbolically, I'm giving myself to you and I'm receiving you to myself. The second step was an exchange of belts, and the belt wasn't there to keep the pants up. The belt held the armor together, the breastplate, the scabbard for the dagger, the sheath for the sword, the bow, the quiver, was all attached at various places to the belt. And when I took my belt off, it was symbolic of me saying, all my ability, all my power, all my might, I'm now placing at your disposal. If anybody comes against you, you are welcome to call on me. They're going to have to contend with everything that I can throw at them as well as whatever you can. Then they went ahead and the third step was the actual cutting of the covenant and we dealt with this last week where the covenant was cut, the animal was cut down the middle and there was no doubt in anybody's mind as to what the significance of that exercise was. It was blood and guts and eyeballs and everything all over the place and it was ankle deep and you walked in between that sacrifice declaring I'm dying to myself. This is symbolic of me coming into new life with my covenant partner. And in terms of the curse God do to me, 
this and worse, if possible, should I break this covenant? You and I as born-again believers have a covenant with God. We need to understand it's not man who initiates the covenant. The covenant is always initiated by the greater. God structured blood covenant. God introduced it. It is sacred. It is eternal. It is an everlasting covenant. Now, step number four, and that's what I want to move into today. Step number four is once the covenant is cut, there is a mingling of blood. Here you get a substitute, and this was what was taking place when God was cutting covenant with Abram. There was a substitute. The animal was a substitute, and it it gave its life for the blood covenant. Its life was in the blood. That's what the Word of God teaches us. The life is in the blood. It gave its life so that covenant could be established. We need to realize something, that when we get born again, we are dying to ourselves, we are giving our life for the covenant with God. We as Christians many times take this so lightly. This is everlasting. It demands your life. You can never walk in the fullness of relationship with God unless you're prepared to give your life. Somebody came to Kenneth one day. Kenneth Copeland said to him, you want me to get born again. What's it going to cost? Very simply, everything. Everything. If you're not prepared to make that commitment, don't get involved because you'll never experience the fullness of it. It's going to cost you your life. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have to die for it necessarily, not in this country. We have it real easy. But let's move on. Now, blood covenant was cut, and we know that it were, there were incisions that were made either in the wrist or in the palms of the hand or the thumbs. And then they would bind them together, and at the moment when blood flowed from each of the covenant heads, the covenant was ratified. Immediately it becomes enforceable. And you are, as a consequence of having shared blood and gotten into blood relationship, blood covenant with another party, you are now literally blood brothers. The shedding of blood is the seal of covenant relationship. And as our blood mingles, we believe that our lives are mingling. They're becoming one. What a picture of of God's requirement of man when he starts talking about covenanting with us. Our life is joined to him and we cease to be who we were. We become a new person in Christ Jesus. I'm dying to myself. My old whims and fancies are gone. They're dead with the old person. I'm pouring my life out in covenant commitment with with my covenant partner. Now that's what takes place. And it's a spiritual thing because it's going to cost you your life. And you see, that's why uh, the Christians don't understand Um, I'm dying to myself. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. You don't belong to yourself. You can't make judgment calls concerning your life without reference to Him. You don't have the right to. You're not yourself. You're in covenant. 
Now, we, I know that we do that, and we, we just fall short of the mark, and many of us carry scars and hurts and burns and pains because we made decisions without consulting covenant partner. A wonderful covenant partner knows everything. <laughs> All right? you, you're not going to go wrong, you see. And so our lives are going to be mingled and they're going to become one. And in essence, what I'm doing is I'm putting off the old nature and putting on the nature of my blood covenant partner. We're becoming one person. I forfeit my old life for the new life. Um, This is what marriage is all about. When you get married, you're dying to yourself. Both partners. You're coming together in a new life. It's no longer mine, it's ours. It's no longer yours, it's ours. They're not your children, they're our children. It's no longer your bank account, it's my bank account. We like that part of it. That's the part we want. (laughs) See? Now, step number five, and I want us to understand the significance of this because this is done obviously under the old covenant, and we're talking here, the Hebrew word for this is is bereth, and it literally means to make an incision where blood flows. That literally is what it means. We haven't gotten to the New Testament one yet. Now, the Old Testament one is great. I mean, if all we had was the Old Testament way of cutting covenant, I'd be in. I'd be in. I'd want in on that deal. That's a good deal. When you're cutting covenant with God, that's a good deal. The greater with the lesser, what is it that you've got that God would want? Come on now. See, there's one thing that you've got that He doesn't have. That's the authority to be in this earth. It's called a body. And that's what He's looking for. He's looking for somebody who will lay down his life so he can operate through his body. Have you noticed that when you turn around a corner, you don't just get a, a manifestation of anointing, like, a, like a, a blob coming down the sidewalk? Anointing is always ministered through people. Healing is always ministered through people and into people. We say that the presence of God is here. We can sense it, but the manifestation of that presence always comes either through a body or on a body. There has to be that. So you don't just walk around the corner and I walked into God and here God was a blob, an anointing. But walk into the presence of a person who is anointed and you'll know the presence of God. How many of you know what I mean? See? So what we've got to do is understand the one thing that we bring God is the right to use us, our body. When we leave this, the scene on the earth, this body falls over and dies. The spirit man gives life to this body. Not the Holy Spirit, the spirit man gives life to this body. And God is looking for bodies. Yeah. It's using bodies that He gets the work done. We are the hands and the feet of the Lord in the earth. We are the mouthpiece of the Lord in the earth. Not testimony as to only what He can do in the heart of an individual, but how He will take an individual and live His life through the individual to touch other people. And He doesn't have a whole lot of those available to Him. 
Okay. So let's move on. <laughs> because some people are gulping. <laughs> Step number five. And now this is where we're going to pick up. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. Because step number five in cutting a covenant is this. There is an exchange of names. There's an exchange of names when, they take, when, when covenanting takes place. Your name is going to change. Now, you see, back, back in Africa where we come from, many of the, the, the indigenous people, when a baby is born, they would give that baby a name. Well, that doesn't sound strange. Everybody gives their baby a name. But they would give the baby a name that they believe is they are wanting that name to be the characteristics, the traits that this baby manifests as it grows up. And as it grows and they, they don't see those characteristics, they will change the name. So that the name, and this is very important, the name is descriptive of the individual. In Bible days, it was exactly the same. They named a baby because they wanted certain characteristics to be manifest, but if they didn't see those, as the child grew, they saw other characteristics, they would give the baby a new name or the child a new name, which was descriptive of, that, of, of the characteristics of that child. Now, you may not realize this, but when you got born again, you got a new name. You got a new name. Because the characteristics of your life were going to change. Now, God does this. Remember the principle, 1 Corinthians 15, 46, that which was first was not spiritual, but natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. So, if we want to see how God is going to work with the spiritually alive people called spiritual Israel, we have a look at the way that He dealt with natural Israel. So, we have a look at His dealings with a peculiar people, His people, Israel. Genesis chapter 17, we find verse 1, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Now, I am is God's name. I am. Not I was. Not I will be. I am was God's name. To everyone who comes to him, he is I am. Not I was. See? I am. And it says, I am the Almighty God. The title Almighty God is El Shaddai. The God who is more than enough. The all-sufficient one, as many times you've heard that phrase. He is El Shaddai. When I go to Him, I don't go there hoping He's going to minister to me, hoping He's going to meet my need. I go to Him because I recognize Him as the source of everything that I need. And when I go there, I don't go groveling and begging. I go there in confidence because I'm going there knowing I'm coming away with the answer. That's what Hebrews 11.6 is all about. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh unto God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. God is the all-sufficient one. And so here God says, I am 
the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. He's not talking about sinless perfection. The word perfect there is mature. In actual fact, the word perfect there is applied to keeping the covenant. Perfectly keep the terms of the covenant. There's nobody who's perfect but Jesus. So don't use your natural present day thinking when you look at that word perfect. And God says in verse 2, I will make my covenant between me and thee, and as a result of that I'm going to multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, the wonderful thing about God is he always tells us what he is going to do. He doesn't make a whole lot of demands. He lays it out there and says, Do you want in? Oh, God, yeah, I can't do without that. All right, now if you want in, this is what's going to have to happen. And you make the choice. Life is filled with them. Have you noticed? As for me, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Look at verse 5. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Now I want you to see something very significant here. God changes his name. The name Abram means exalted father. And God says, you're no more going to be exalted father. I'm going to rename you. In terms of the covenant that we're cutting, I'm going to make you Abraham, which is literally father of a multitude or father of a many nations. He was 99 years of age. I wonder how many of us would have, would have heads that went tilt right at that point. You're going to make me a father many. I don't even have a son. How are you going to do this, God? I've got to find out from God how he's going to do this. That's when he causes a deep sleep to come on you because you're about to foul it up just like Abraham was. Amen? And so we walk through this deep sleep and God's working the whole time so you can't get your hands on what he's doing. You're going to foul it up. I've got to find out. I've got to find out. The Lord said He would lead me into all truth. I'm led by the Spirit of God. Therefore, He's going to... Not on your nelly. Oh, you don't use that expression here. No way, Jose. See? Why? Because we foul things up. We can't keep our hands off them. We always want to alter it. We want to change it. We want to put our influence and our handwriting on it. Hello. And God says, come on, man, get out of my way. I'm doing a job. Just let a sleep come on you. And you walk through. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, go God. That's the way to do it. So what happens is God says to him, "Uh, I'm going to change your name. You see what God does? Something very clever. A-B-R-A-M, Abram. God takes off the two last letters of Abram, shifts them across. God's name is Jehovah. He takes the last two letters of Jehovah, A-H, puts them right in the middle, puts that back together again. Because you see, one of the significant things is this. In covenant relationship, you take on the name of your covenant partner. That's exactly what happened in marriage, didn't it? See, when I married Joan Tomlinson, she became Joan Lubby, for better or for worse. But that's the way we got married, rich or poor, in sickness and in health, until death us their part. <laughs> now, I'm saying that not to make fun of our marriage, but I'm just looking at this, the way that these guys pronounce. We were ignorant. These guys pronounced those things over us. My Lord. That's why I don't marry people that way. 
I want you to be blessed. There's not even an alternative. And if you'll keep the words of the covenant, you'll be blessed. See, our problem is that we want to lean to our own understanding. We don't want to die to ourselves. So when people get married, I'm still me and you still you. And the two try and get together and it's like oil and water and it doesn't work. Hello. So God goes along and, and God changes Abram's name. And of course, the new name signifies something different. No longer is he exalted father. He's going to be a father of a multitude. You see, anytime God puts his hand to anything, he always multiplies and enhances it. It is always better after God's touched it <laughs> than before. It's called blessing. You know, a blessing will, ne will never leave you worse off after you're blessed than before you were blessed. When God blesses, somehow there's always increase. Have you noticed that? That's why everybody wants to be blessed. Why? You want to be better off? Come on. How many of you want to be blessed? Just raise your hand. Okay. Double does. That's one. Now, you see, I want you to understand something. Some people, however, Christians, they want to be blessed, but they don't believe in prosperity. Help me out, yeah? Help me out. Prosperity is not just dollars and cents. It's healing and wholeness of my body, soundness of my mind, relationships together. Able to walk and whatever I sow, I'm going to reap a harvest from. I don't put one seed in the ground and get one seed returned. Try that with a bit of, a bit of corn. Put that thing. You don't get a whole 8 foot high, 10 foot high stalk of corn. Comes up here and right at the end of the chuck is the same little thing that you planted. Come on, isn't that right? You pull that thing back, you pull the leaves back, and there you've got a whole multitude of seeds, enough to feed you, and enough to keep for the next harvest. Help me out. It's called blessing, guys. Now God does the same thing with Sarai. S-A-R-A-I. And her name becomes Sarah. Takes on the last two letters of Jehovah. So Abraham gets a name change and Sarah gets a name change. They're the two people entering into covenant relationship with God and God initiated and God cut it. But now what about God's name? God got a name change. You find it Exodus chapter 3, the first six verses, Moses in the backside of the desert. And he comes across something he didn't understand. A bush is burning. Well, he gets closer and he checks it out. Been in the sun a long time, but that bush is burning. And it's not being consumed. And then he thinks he's really been in the sun too long because the bush speaks to him. <laughs> the bush's name is not George either. <laughs> so here comes, here comes the voice. Here comes the voice that says, take the sandals off your, shoe, uh, off your, off your feet off your feet because the ground on which you're standing is holy. And, and, and he, he comes, I want, you to, I want you to see something. God says to him, who are you? He says, I am. That's God's name. He's introducing himself. Then he says, the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob. 
God got a name change when he cut covenant with Abraham. He got known as the, by the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were covenant heads in covenant with God. And listen, we need to understand this. God is not the God, the Father of everybody. He is Father to His children. Oh, God is my Father. And you're not born again? Uh -uh, He's not your Father. He's not your Father. God is Father to those who have a covenant relationship with Him. There is a teaching out in the world where all the children of God. No, we're not. Many are the children of the devil. Many are the children of the devil. The children of God are known by God because they have a covenant with God. And they're walking in that covenant, you know, to the best of their ability. But He makes allowance for the fact that we come short of the mark from time to time. And so there was a name change. And the interesting thing about it is that when we bring this over into the Christian experience, we find that we've had a name change. When we got born again, we entered into covenant relationship with God, a covenant which He initiated, a covenant which He paid for with His blood. He signed it. But it's Abraham's covenant, which Abraham had signed for thousands of years ago. We dealt with this a little bit last week. We're going to get fully into the Abrahamic covenant in a while, not today. But here we've got a situation where God goes along and God cuts covenant and you and I come into this covenant relationship by faith and the moment you say, I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life, you get a name change. And what we've got to be very careful about is ensuring that we don't bring the junk of the previous life into our relationship with God because the new name that you get is called righteousness of God in Christ. See, I, I, people who say, oh, well, I'm, I, brother, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, 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 no. Let me help you. You were an old sinner. You met Jesus. You got saved by grace, and you were immediately made the righteousness of God in Christ. You are not, if you're in a relationship, a blood covenant relationship with God, you are not an old sinner saved by grace. That's religious tradition. Now, I love you, but but we need to understand. You see, because if you see yourself as an old sinner saved by grace, yes, I'm saved by grace, but I'm an old sinner, you never with boldness will enter into the presence of God. Now, you don't move into the presence of God in your righteousness because of anything that you've done. We are exhorted by God. Come boldly into... How can I come boldly into His presence if I feel that I'm an old sinner? That's why the majority of Christians are... They treat their relationship with God differently to the way that they would treat their relationship with their kids. When last... As parents, when last did you have your kid knock on the door of your bedroom? Yes? Door opens. Oh, my father, my mother, durst thou 
give me from the refrigerator something to eat. Oh, I beg you. I know I'm not worthy, Lord. Come on now. They come in like a whirlwind. They don't even ask your permission. When they leave, it's like the swarm of locusts have just cleaned a carcass. They've shredded that field. You look and you think, my Lord, I sowed the wind and I've just reaped the whirlwind. But what do we do? We creep in and crawl in and beg God. And God says, why are you down there? What you doing? You see, I was a sinner. I was saved by grace, and I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And in case I don't know who I am, the Word of God tells me again and again and again and again, I've been made an heir of all things that God has. I'm a joint heir with Jesus to everything the Father possesses, and it's already mine. Why do I creep into the presence of God to get blessed? If, if it be your will, my Father. <laughs> That's just an ind- indication. I don't know what the will of God is. And the Word of God says, all I've got to do is get in here and these pages will show me what the will of God is. His Word is His will. And if I want to find the will of God, I go to the Word of God, which tells me the will of God. And then with boldness, I get in there and I claim it for myself by faith. That's the way God wants me to operate. Not begging, bawling, squalling because I don't have. We've got what we've got today because of what we've been saying. And what you've been saying is what you've been believing. Oh yeah, I know it's right. I know it's right. If I don't believe I'll ever get there, I never will. And when I don't get there, don't pat yourself on the back and say, my, 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 there's a prophetic anointing on you. Uh Uh-uh. Nothing prophetic about that. Now, I want you to see something. See, I was a sinner. Became the righteousness of God in Christ. I was without hope, but I've been made an heir. An heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus to everything the Father possesses. You tell me you don't believe in prosperity? Don't get born again. It's impossible for you to walk in covenant relationship with God and not be blessed. And blessed means better off before, uh, after the blessing than before. Better off. And God does it all the time, every day. Every day. And in case you think you're such a bright, a bright guy, you know, Word of God says that it is He that is busy keeping life in our bodies. Deuteronomy 8.18 talks about uh, honoring God and recognizing the fact that it is He that has given us the ability to get well. You think you've got it yourself. You've got nothing yourself. He keeps the oxygen flowing through this so that that brain of yours can work. Oh yeah, but I went along and I got educated. You got educated because he, he gave revelation to people as to what the truth was and they wrote it down in books. And he keeps that body alive. He keeps breath in that body. 
You do not want to close a chapter in your life. <laughs> God closes the chapter in your life. We'll see you in the sweet by and by, over on the other shore, way beyond the Great Divide or whatever it is. Okay, now, here's a, here's a very important point. I want, you to, I want you to see this in the exchange of names. When we exchange names, I'm given the power of attorney over all of my covenant partner's belongings. Legally, I can go anywhere and use my covenant partner's name to get anything that he could get. We got married. Now, you know I had millions in the bank when we got married, huh? <laughs> we didn't even have the boldness to spell the word million, never mind. <laughs> but, when we got married, Joan Tomlinson became Joan Lubby. She took on my name, and she could go into the bank and say, you know, that, you know the millions my husband doesn't have? I'm here to draw some of them. How, what gives you the right? I'm married to him. Now let's bring that into the realm of our daily experience. I've got a covenant partner who cut it. My name has been changed from failure to success, from defeated to victor. To no hoper, from no hoper to overcomer. Sinner to the righteousness of God in Christ. And I have the right to use his name. In every situation. He gave it to me. In Mark 16, 17, he said, These signs will follow them that believe in my name. Matthew 28, 18. He tells me what? Matthew 18, 28. 28, 18. Help me out. Where's Mark? Where are you, Mark? Speak up. Go on. Ah! I have got the right to take the name of Jesus and use the name of Jesus in every situation to get what the name of Jesus would get for Jesus. The name and the person are the same. I'm in covenant relationship with God. Yes? Why are you questioning it, Alan? Oh, I just thought I'd check out. <laughs> just thought I'd test you out there. Thought you're sleeping with your eyes open then. <laughs> Praise God. Now, let me share this with you. When I get revelation of the fact that my birth my existence in this world does not catch God by surprise. You are not here by chance. 
This morning, you're not here by chance. There's something the Spirit of God is depositing in your life. There's something. I know that. I don't believe in chance in the life of any believer. Now, when I go through life thinking that I'll never make it, when my covenant partner says, I've already made it possible for you to more than excel, something's wrong with that covenant. And the something that is wrong doesn't rest on his side, it rests on my side. Because the problem is, I don't know what my covenant is providing for me. Covenant partner Jesus gives me the right to use His name in every situation and every circumstance in order to bring the kingdom of God in its manifestation into the sphere of my influence. Where is the kingdom of God? It's not over there. It's not a planet coming. It's not a planet coming. Jesus said the kingdom is within you. You carry the king. If you're born, uh, born again, you carry the kingdom around on the inside of you. When you go in there, and Jesus was using himself as an illustration, he says, when I cast out a demon, know this, that the kingdom of God is among you. The manifestation of the kingdom of God is this, that it breaks the power of the enemy over circumstances and people's lives when we release the kingdom into the situation. It is not released by God. It's released by God's people. It's called walking the Christian life. Back in the book of Acts, when they said that those that have turned the world upside down have come here also, what world were they talking about? The world system, which dictated to people and told people they can never break free of it. That when you got sick, that was just your lot in life. This would be your cross to bear. You know, God is trying to teach you something. Back in Antioch, they were first known as Christians. And please, don't freak out now. Just take a deep breath and hold it. Hold it. See if you can hold it for this minute, because I'm going to say something. Christian is the diminutive form of Christos. Christos is the anointed one. It's the, that's the Greek word for the Hebrew Messiah. Now listen to me. Christ is not his last name. It's his function. He is the anointed one. Jesus is his earth name. Christ is not his last name. Christ is descriptive of his function. And when back in Antioch, they saw followers of Jesus doing what the Christ did, there were more of them, and they called them little Christ. I'm not teaching heresy here. Go and check it out. Literally, that's what it means. Why? Christ is, is not his divine name. Christ is descriptive of his function. And it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. And as Christians, little anointed ones, we are to go out and release the power 
of that anointing to break the yoke over people's lives. That's one of the blessings of being in covenant relationship with God. His life comes and flows through us. And God's life is always anointed. Religious minds will just go tilt to that and they'll say, you're teaching heresy. I'm not. Christ is not His name, it's His function. It's descriptive of what He did. It's the power of God released into an, an everyday situation that broke the bondages over people's lives. Healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, deaf ears opened, palsied limbs were given strength, people came out of wheelchairs and crutches and all that. Why? Because of the power. He brought the kingdom on the sea. And we're talking covenant relationship. That's what you and I are called to do.